This podcast is part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Head over to flickeringmyth.com for more information and more shows like it. And head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. Now, on with the podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Flickering Myth Review podcast. I hope you are all very well and had a very nice week and thank you for joining us once again. My name is Scott Davis and as always I'm joined by my lovely co-host Mr. Rowan Morby. How are you sir? Uh, well thank you Scott, very well. You had a week, a usual week have you of movies and working out, working those thigh muscles <laughs> or whatever you've been doing? Pretty much mate, yeah. <laughs> Work, workout, watch films, repeat. Repeat. <laughs> uh, and you've also uh, um, been buying Blu-rays, of course, as you always have. Yeah, Surely. yeah. You, you know me too well. Lots of Barnes & Noble shopping I saw on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I got all my uh, my uh, criterions through. Barnes & Noble tend to send them in separate packages. Ah. So I, I ordered 10 this time and I got, I think, four different deliveries, which is fine. You know, I'd rather get that than have to pay uh big import duties but yeah all, all arrived um on the shelves in the cellophane and they'll get watched at some point but never i don't know i've just got so i've got so many now i've, I've just got a backlog of i don't know what <laughs> uh insane. i haven't but haven't seen your instagram of, i haven't seen your instagram of your batman superman steelbook yet though what's going on uh, <laughs> what's going on <laughs> uh, yeah i'll um I, I may not have bought that one. Oh, never mind never mind <laughs> They've all sold out now, apparently. Well, at my work, they've all sold out now. So, did you pick one up? Uh, I I did. <laughs> but <laughs> the discount, the discount, the discount. You see, the discount is too good. Discount is too the discount. Good to the discount would never be enough for me to I, buy that, even I, if it's free. Uh, although strangely, the ultimate edition isn't too bad. So you know what you're gonna do. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> this we've talked too much on Batman Superman over the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, we've already leave we've it. done that to death. Let's leave it alone. Uh, we are here to talk about, very similar to Batman Superman, the next uh, DC Universe movie in the form of Suicide Squad. And for a special movie, we have a special guest in the form of reviewer, YouTuber and fellow workout man, Mr. Chris Hayden. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, very excited to have you. Very exciting for the listeners, I'm sure. Excited sure. to be here. You two, you two gym enthusiasts will bring the ladies <laughs> in, hopefully. So that's that's good. <laughs> that's good. Uh, how are you? Have a good week? Yeah, not too bad at all, thank you. Well, uh, well, we'll get on to that anyway. <laughs> ah, yes. We shall. We shall. We shall get on to that, of course. Uh, so on this week's show, uh, there is only one film to really talk about, and that's what we're going to do, and that is Suicide Squad, uh, the new film, as I say, in the DC Universe. Directed by David Ayer and starring Will Smith, Margot Robbie, Jared Leto, and uh, Joel Bloody Kinnaman. Uh, <laughs> and Cara Delevingne. I'll get that in for Chris, because Chris, I know Chris is a big Yay. fan. Yay! Um, so we're going to discuss the movie and give our two cents. Uh, before we do, as ever, here is a quick clip from the film. What do we have here? What are you going to do? Are you going to kill me, Mr. J? What? Oh, I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just gonna hurt you. Really, really bad. 
So Suicide Squad is here finally. All the trailers that we've had and all the publicity are finally over and the film is out for everyone to see. Uh, so we're going to give our two cents. Now, obviously, we just spoke about Batman Superman. Rowan, you pretty much hated Batman Superman. Uh, so I'm sure you went into this. Although we spoke last week and you were you were quite... You were so, kind of interested, weren't you? Because of the trailers and because of the the promotional material. You, were, you had your interest peaked a little bit, didn't you? Yeah, I mean... You know, normally I talk, or talk about when it comes to trailers and stuff. I I never watch them anymore. I may watch the I may watch the teaser. I certainly don't watch the full trailers and the TV spots because so much is given away now. But with this one, I, I is on in front of every single film that I've seen probably for the last six months. Um, I I just watched it, and I think that the the the, the trailer is cut really well. It's full of energy. Um, you know, it gives you a little bit of snippets of a of characters that you know and it just it just got to i thought maybe maybe this being about um villains or anti-heroes and um, it's not a source material i'm at all um familiar with i know nothing about suicide squad whatsoever um i thought well it could be the antidote to all of the crap that is put in front of us month after month i just i just assumed that it would be something different. So yeah, I was I went into this one with uh, an open mind. And Chris, I think it was Chris the same for you as well. I think you were pretty excited by this, yeah. as, as many people were. Yeah, as as Rowan just said, I I loved the trailers. As you said, they had like a real energy and there was a real fluidity to the way they were edited. And I was particularly taken aback by how clever they worked in sync with the music. I thought they had you know something that felt quite fresh and quite vibrant. And I was kind of hoping that maybe they had taken a leaf out of not just Marvel's book, but the general conception of comic book movies and actually tried to have some fun with the material rather than being all sombre and dour. Uh, yeah. So I looked forward to it. Yes, as we all. Didn't we all? Didn't we all? <laughs> um, now, obviously, the reviews have come out. There's been um, another similar to, to Batman Superman, similar to a few other movies that come out. Maybe not so much Civil War because it was pretty well reviewed. Uh that critics hate DC movies and uh, the online community are not happy <laughs> about it. Uh, I had a I had a little thing on Twitter that I put, uh, which I wish I didn't because I got involved in it and I was just like, you know what? It's not worth my time. It's just just mm. nonsense, just nonsense. If you want to know what the movie, if you want to know what the movie's like, go and see it. That's all I say. I understand that's a bit strange as a reviewer because I want people to read reviews, but it's quite a it's a, it's a strange strange world we live in now with uh, with everyone having an opinion and everybody's a reviewer now and obviously yeah. uh, uh, everyone's paid off by marvel apparently i haven't seen my check yet what's going on anyway um yeah so it was pretty pretty well i think it's about 27 28% on rotten tomatoes which you know is something of a contentious thing in the sense that if you actually go through the reviews it's you know 27 percent of critics who actually like it blah blah blah. who cares uh go and see it yourself and then we'll discuss rowan you have seen it and i'm yeah. pretty sure i know what you're going to say so <laughs> the floor is yours yeah it's it's terrible it is <laughs> i mean it, it really is I mean, you forget about just as a, as a comic book film and all that sort of stuff i say i have no I have no um, a relation to the, the source material at all. I'm just going into it as, as a film. And it, let's be honest, it's, it's a structural mess. Um, it, I, had, I just had no idea what was going on from like really early on, guys. I'm talking like 30 minutes in. As soon as 
that witch thing starts doing stuff on a subway, I had I was just lost, absolutely utterly lost. And I don't think audiences shouldn't be lost with with material like this. It should be pretty easy to follow, especially in the first movie with these characters. So I had no idea what was going on. Um, I say the structure is is insane. These flashbacks to these characters. Some get long flashbacks. Some get short flashbacks. Um, they're asking us to care about people we have we just know nothing about. They dare to throw in a character like Batman, um, just as as a, like a, like a pawn, you know, a pawn in this overall kind of chess sick chess game they're trying to play to make us care. And I'm sorry, I don't. I think it's really insulting to use um, an iconic character like Batman in this way to say, oh, here he is. And that's enough. You know, Batman's associated with it. Ipso facto, you must now like this. You know, it's the worst use of, of Batman I can recall. I include the entirety of Batman and Robin in that, in that list. It's, it's unbelievable. They, they, they throw him in there. He does a little bit. And that's it. And you think, well, you know, this character linked to Batman, so he must be interested. But I'm sorry, he's not. Um, I'm talking about the Will Smith character here, of course. Um, like I said, they, gave, they give bits of background to some characters they give absolutely no background to other characters the croc character i know nothing about him it's unfathomable to be why, why he's even in there i know literally nothing about him um you've got a storyline that involves what a big cgi circle in the sky grabbing someone's heart to kill them um shooting a bomb or something you know it's it, I, I can't explain what the film is even about um and i was hoping for you know bad guys doing a worse mission to save the world or something like that and then you'd end up liking the characters even though they are bad and it does a really terrible job of even trying to make me like these characters because you don't know them you know i'm okay for liking you know anti-villains but you just do not get to know these characters. Um, you, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pause here. That's my initial thoughts. I'll, you know, I'll let you guys talk. I've, I've got so many more things to say. But essentially, for me, every facet that makes a film a film, a good film a good film, is undone here really early on. Um, you know, David Ayer, this, this is his worst film in a long list of bad films. <clears throat> From the director of Sabotage, no less. <laughs> which I didn't think we were going to be sad. I thought it would be, you know, David Ayer, you know, director of Training Day or Harsh Times. Not No, he didn't direct Training Day. He wrote Training Day. Wrote sorry. Training Day, sorry. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Someone with a little bit of creativity, shall we say. Um, before I throw to you, Chris, let me just let me just weigh in. I mean, it, it is, I completely agree with everything you said, Rowan. It is an absolute mess. It is all over the place. And for whatever criticisms we're going to give it over the time that we're talking it just it just feels like another fantastic four it feels like the studio wanted a movie and then halfway through particularly when the batman superman stuff happened they go actually we need to we need to lighten the mood so you have two you have david ayer trying to create a story you have the studio wanting their stuff and then it's just all kind of mushed together and it it unevens the film even more than it probably was already. Um, there's almost there's like this dark and dingy kind of movie, and then this light and kind of as you say vibrant movie trying to get out that are smushed together, and it's such a mess that and it ends up the, just burying the whole the whole effort and burying you know good actors and a and a decent story and some decent 
stuff that could have been, um, but is another huge missed opportunity. Um, Chris, I've seen your video on YouTube. You've given your your thought. I think you did two actually. I think you, I was I saw one of you in your car after your screening, literally minutes after how angry you were. Um, then you you were quite cautious. You, you, I know I spoke to you before about that you you thought this might be something that could quite easily be you know one of the one of the bad movies of the summer um and it and it rang true for you didn't it yeah and i think to be honest i started to notice cracks in the film's facade when every day we were getting a new poster a new teaser a gif a promo and it started to feel like warner brothers were basically saying we are so unrelentingly sorry for how terrible batman v superman was that please (laughs) please forgive us just please accept that we are cool again by giving us all of this promo. And I started to feel like, one, I'd seen the movie, and two, you could actually, if you go back and look at the trailers, you can actually see the tone change so considerably. The first trailer, which everyone hated, was quite dark and somber. And that really feels like the David Ayer version of Suicide Squad. And then as you get to the ballroom blitz and all of that other stuff, you start to notice this almost like 80s cartoon version of this story that he's trying to tell. And as you said, the end product is kind of a weird collaboration of the two of them. And for starters, I don't know what the BBFC were thinking, giving this a 15. I mean, seriously, there is nothing in this movie that warrants a 15 (laughs) certificate at all. Um, Secondly, echo exactly what Rowan said. This film actually has nothing that is remotely filmic about it. It's got no weight. It has no heft. There is no story. It's this weird frankenstein thing of different scenes and different genres that attack together and then put into the cinemas with the hope that people will part with their money and the annoying thing is it probably will make lots of money and it will probably make more money than batman versus superman now i hated that movie i thought that movie was awful but i didn't come out of batman v superman feeling really cheated feeling really downtrodden by how unrelentingly terrible suicide squad was i mean it is just an incoherent, incomprehensibly terrible entity. I, I don't even want to call it a film because I don't believe it actually has enough quality to warrant it being called a film because people will compare this, as we say, to Marvel and DC and where you stand and which studio. But at the end of the day, it's got nothing to do with whether it's Marvel. It's nothing to do with it's to do with DC. It's about quality and And if this is the level of quality that Warner Brothers is willing to produce and that they think this is acceptable for people to actually go and pay to see this, then that is sad, man. That that is a really dismal, dark outlook on what not just the DCEU is going to produce, but what seems to be okay to produce that Mm. level. Yeah. I hated this movie with every fibre of my being. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think you're. I don't think you're the only one. Uh, you know, uh, there's a really good friend of mine at work who loves his comic book movies, and he was he kept his, you know, he's like, now I'm going to be positive. I'm going to not be going to be thing. I'm going to I'm going to keep positive and go and see it. And he texted me yesterday and was like, well, that was shit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you were the one person I thought might be like, actually, I can find some, some, you know, some good stuff in there. Um, 
yeah but yeah it's just it's it's almost irredeemable in fact it is irredeemable i mean it's in my head it's got worse and worse as the time's gone gone past it was strange because i saw it on friday and uh, midday you know afternoon and it was really busy in the cinema and there was lots of you could feel like people being quite energetic still even though the reviews had come out and people like this could be could be good fun this could be good and then just the somber silence when the film finished just like oh dear oh dear oh bloody critics Bloody well, critics. Um, yeah. Go on. You're going to say something. Go on. It's fine. No, sorry. I mean, we say this whole thing about critics and, you know, as people as who critique film and things. Yeah. I think what a lot of fans forget is that film critics genuinely love cinema. We yeah. don't we don't yeah. want to pan stuff. We don't we don't want to make things seem so bad and to try and dishearten people. That's not the whole point at all. The point is to actually help the industry and to help promote the profile of these movies. And you know, the last thing I wanted to do was come out of Suicide Squad and feel like I'd been beaten to a pulp by it. I, you know, I wanted to come out and be like, that movie was so awesome. I had such a good time with it. It was so energetic and fun and lively. And it was just not, it was just so dour and boring and and empty. And I don't want that. I don't want to waste my time watching that because at the end of the day, once we've watched it, it's not over and done with. We've got to talk about it. We've got to showcase it. And that just makes the memory of it seem all the more horrible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Rowan, you know, the, the, there are, there were, there should have been redeemable qualities to this. I mean, you know, things like the cast is, is very, very strong, at least the, you know, the three leads. Um, but even, even they get really kind of lost in this mess, don't they? I mean, it's really, really, <laughs> really, really terrible. Not even Will Smith can, can save this one. Um, what was your thoughts on sort of the casting and, you know, the acting and how, how they all, they all pretty much struggled with the film? Well, look, I mean, you know, David Ayer clearly is not a, he's not an actor's director, right? He's a guy who is very much style uh, first and and that's it. You know, you just, you just got to look at the way he uses camera, look at something like Christ, Fury and Sabotage, you know, how we, how we put a camera on top of a gun, how we put a camera, you know, on top of a, um, you know, someone's fist or something. And that, that's supposed to be, you know, his, his way of saying, let's get into the action. And to me, that's, you know, probably the, the, the lowest of the low of any way to, to, to direct action. So, again, I kept forgetting that David A was a director of this film because they never promoted, it never says, you know, from the director of Fury, from the director of um, training, not training, I'm doing your thing again, Scott, from the director of whatever he did, I forget now. Um, you know, they're not promoting him. So it's almost like a, this weird director for hire by the end of it, you know, and I, and I say I, I really, really forgot that he was doing it. And then when I remembered, I thought, oh, God, yeah, it is from him. So all, although these trailers do look fun, I have to forget. I have to remember, you know, what this guy's pedigree is. Um, I say so he's not he's not a, um, a, an actor's director whatsoever. I think Will Smith. I used to love Will Smith. I'm sure we all did. We all love Will Smith. You know, Men in Black, Independence Day, um, Enemy of the State, all those sort of films that he was the 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 star of and you think there's no one else who could do this but him that's all gone let's 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 face it that's gone those days are absolutely gone there's no way that will smith of the mid 90s would ever be seen dead in a film as as gross and bleak and disastrously structured and written as this you know he will smith the will smith that we know and love he would have control over it he's not going to make a film where we don't like his character. We don't know anything about his character. Yet he's been reduced to starring in this this ensemble 
of of crap, you know, along the likes of Joel Kinnaman and Jai Courtney, Jai um, Courtney of Terminator Genesis and Die Hard Five fame. Let's remember that that that's <laughs> this guy's pedigree, okay? And Will Smith is starring alongside them. Forget about it. It's uh, all faith for me in Will Smith has gone now. I don't think he's I don't think he's bad in the film, but he's. He's completely directless. You know, he's got he's got nothing going for him, unfortunately. Um, not to ruin okay, your so talk... oh sorry, not to ruin your flow, Rowan. But wasn't Jack Courtney and Jack Reacher? Anyway, on to <laughs> a... <laughs> on to um, Margot Robbie. Um, His best performance yet. Yeah, I'm... Jack Reacher. <laughs> I'm I'm not on the uh, you know I'm not on the the Margot Robbie love train like a lot of people are. I think she was fine in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. It's a great film. She was very good in it. You, know, you look at Legend of Tarzan, that's in my bottom 10 of the year. Uh, a disastrous film, and she's disastrous in it. But in this, again, I can't quite work her out. You know, she's used... The, the character is, is used as a, like a, as a sex object, as, a, as this lethal weapon, as a... Um, comedy device as a dramatic device as a love interest they're so that they're putting so much into this character yet i know nothing about her you know all i know is she jumped into a vat of chemicals for god knows what reason and and that's why she's crazy i I just don't know anything about her so then all of the character is essentially in those little little shorts that she's wearing because that's it right there's nothing more to this character than a little pair of shorts on a, you know, on a great body. And that's it. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's not me being sexy or anything like that. It's true. Because the amount of times that you're, that she's exposed and, you know, you have direct shots of her various body parts, that, they're just saying, hey, isn't she sexy? Though? Isn't she sexy? Isn't she sexy? I'm like, yeah, yeah, she's, she's a nice looking woman. But what about the character? I know nothing about her. Why is she, psych- why is she psychotic, you know? It doesn't. You can do a flashback, but I need I need more than that. And and it's same for all these characters. Um, you, you don't know why any of them are the way they are. You don't care why any of them want what they want. And that's pretty that's bad enough with one character, let alone six or seven that are put together for the first time in a film. You you're, you're walking. You you're you're um, experiencing seven strangers to you, the, the audience, and you, you end up knowing none of them. And the, the crazy thing is, I think about this yesterday, um, ahead of the podcast, I'm thinking, you know what, by the end of the film, nothing is resolved. You notice that no, nothing changes because, okay, spoilers. So if you don't want to hear spoilers, then, you know, skip ahead. But at the end of the film, they all go back to prison. <laughs> Um, nothing changes. They got they get a bit of a life, uh, uh, some years taken off a sentence, which they're all doing like multiple life sentences, so it doesn't matter. But nothing changes for any of these guys. The world doesn't change. The environment doesn't change. Um, you know, it's, it's it's like it doesn't matter. Nothing matters in the film. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, and it's it's insane to me. It's just a, it's an experiment in nothingness. It's an experiment in saying how can we add Batman and the Flash? And I only know it's the Flash because I saw the trailer for the other one last week. Um, in in film to set up something else in the most clumsy, disgusting way. And we're going to try and string along this story of um, some witch doing some nonsense in 
to um to try you know to fit it all together and it, and it doesn't so it's again it's just an experiment in absolutely nothingness um and you know would you want to see these characters again like all of them together ever again i highly highly doubt it because um, there's there's nothing to any of them it's it's crazy and you got you mentioned you know the good cast jared leto it i struggled to come to terms with what what he was thinking or what the you know the entire production was thinking in making the joker that way because you, you know, the joker jack nicholson amazing performance is very much jack nicholson having fun in 89 and you think well how is anyone going to top that you know with a dark knight um Heath Ledger, he really made that character his own. But he was a character, the the Joker. Yeah, he had you know, he gave those two or three um, uh, soliloquies, not soliloquies. He gave those two or three um, speeches to to other characters about how he became the way he he is. You know, with the, the knife held to his mouth and all that sort of stuff. And you get a real sense that this is a truly deranged, twisted man, and he knows it and he likes it, and nothing's going to stop him. Um, he he is who he is, and he knows that, and everyone else knows that, and that's what makes him so terrifying in that film. And also, of course, the way that Nolan and Fister handle um, the the overall tone of the movie. And you then fast forward to this, and you've got what you've got some guy dressed up as Marilyn Manson from two thousand and three, uh, fitted with what gold watches and a cane and his metal teeth. And he's doing this this voice, which sounds very similar to what we've heard before. And there's no threat there. I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking, this is clearly Jared Leto in, what, playtime? He, he's dressing up and he's just been let loose to have a bit of fun. There's, again, there's no character, there's no depth. There's no rhyme or reason as to why he's, do, he, he, he's acting like he is. Uh, and every time he does that uh, manacled laugh, I'm thinking that doesn't scare me. You know that I don't find you frightening. I find you sad, actor, not character. So you know that, that there's my thoughts, Scott, on 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 the whole cast and crew. It's just completely directionless, completely and utterly loose in terms of how anyone is behaving with anybody else. And that you know that then echoes in the story, the script, and the overall um, you know the overall arching story of, of, of Suicide Squad. It's just a complete and utter farce of a mess. Yeah, it's absolutely right. And, um, you know, <laughs> we'll kind of speak about Jared Leto, obviously. Um, yeah, this is this is the strangest decision to make the Joker how he is. It didn't feel like the Joker, and as you hit the nail on the head, never feels threatening or scary or anything like that. And if you don't have that, why why even but you know same with the film i guess why even bother um and it makes you not want to you know they've obviously talked about you know having leto in the, in the batman movie with ben affleck and that kind of stuff i don't want to see him again really don't want to see him again because he was that poorly done um don't think it's completely jared leto's fault but as you say you know it's it, man it's just one after another it's one thing after another uh and for them to 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 do that to the to the to the Joker and make him like they made him into a gangster and stuff, which okay could have worked, but he never feels like the Joker. I know you know there's this argument for well he's only on screen for you know five ten minutes and it's what you do with that time that counts, but you know 
it does nothing with it, serves no real purpose, and doesn't ever feel like the Joker. And I was never intimidated by him. So <laughs> why should Batman be intimidated by that guy? Just punch him in the face and get it done with. <laughs> um, Chris, what did you think of um, Jared Leto as the Joker? Uh, horrible. Yeah. Um, for starters, to echo exactly what Rowan said about the previous, you know, previous Jokers, Nicholson and Ledger and stuff. All of those, as well as having a little bit of depth and some backstory, they actually had a purpose for the way that they looked. And like every single conscious decision, like visually for Jared Leto's Joker, it all feels like a fashion choice, like the green hair and the white face paint. It doesn't look like he's been in this chemical reaction. It looks like he's sort of gone out for a mental night out at London Pride or something. There's, there's nothing that has any texture to anything that he delivers. And as you said, I don't think that's entirely his fault, because if you give actors abysmal scripts, you're not going to get great performances. But he was horrible. He didn't even need to be in the movie. If you're going to have him that isolated, simply don't have him in the film. Use him as an external, an external source. Like the whole communication between him and Carly Quinn would probably be better if he was always on the end of a phone. You're kind of lingering. Is he going to show up? Is he not going to show up? That would have been more tentative. That would have been more interesting. But the general cast, I mean, ensemble films are difficult anyway because you've got a lot of people who you've got to pay a lot of attention to each of them. And obviously this film just does not do that at all. I mean, there are people in this movie who are like, hey, I'm Slipknot. Oh, I'm not here anymore. Um, you know, and various other ones. And then without trying to sound too sort of uh, controversial, you've got lots of different people here from lots of different film backgrounds, got lots of different ethnicities. And none of them, I don't think, get the opportunity to actually showcase themselves as a performer and indeed feel like a vital asset to this movie. I mean, Katana who is probably out of all of the characters, probably one of the coolest ones, is virtually non-existent. As you mentioned, Rowan, Killer Croc is there to just because he's got funny skin. That, that, that's, mm -hmm. I've, got fun, I've got leprosy. That's my power. Um, the scariest person in a movie about supervillains is the woman in the office. I mean, how is that comprehensible? Viola Davis is easily the most intimidating person in this film. And the whole movie, she's wearing a red blazer. She's not... She's not running around with crazy face paint or shooting things really fast or stabbing people with a sword that steals souls. She's on an iPad. I just, I can't quite comprehend how a movie about villains has no scary villains in it or indeed an actual intimidating antagonist. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, I love Cara Delevingne. I'll put my hands up and say I'm a huge Cara Delevingne fan. My God, she is terrible in this film. I, I mean... <laughs> I mean, you know, this is this is a Razzie award winning performance. It is abhorrently bad. She's doing this weird, deep voice that kind of sounds like, I don't know, Gary Barlow. I, I don't know what she's doing in this movie. And and everyone else who surrounds her. I mean, you've got a principal villain in the film whose job it is to stand still. That's her. That's her job. I'm going to stand stationary for two hours. And that's that's my superpower. I. I I can't quite fathom what any of these people actually saw in this movie when they actually received the scripts. Because, I mean, the whole idea of Suicide Squad is really cool. You know, this kind of anti-villain, this anti-hero mm -hmm. kind of story. And to talk about like something like Guardians of the Galaxy, to bring characters that Joe Public might not know too much about and give them the opportunity to not only present themselves, but to flesh them and hopefully inject them into different movies inside the DCEU or whatever the hell you want to call it. But... As you said, I don't want to see any of these characters again. 
I definitely don't want to see Jared Leto going up against Ben Affleck. I mean, that will, there will be just absolutely no level of intimidation whatsoever. What, what's, what's Jared Leto going to do? Like, play a Skrillex song at him really loud? I, I, like, there's, there's, there's nothing in the... Like, there's nobody in this movie that's got any texture, any weight, and half the dialogue they deliver is as tonally imbalanced as the entire production. Yeah. I mean, you've got one minute where they're supposed to be kind of scary, then one minute where they're cracking these horrible one-liners, and then you've got characters who barely say anything, and that's supposed to be enough to build their character. I mean, Killer Croc's script could be on the back of a postage stamp. He's like, I live underwater. And that, that, that's it. Oh, cool. Nice one. I, I, I don't get how these people actually bought into this film and thought, you know, we can actually make a real go of this based on that horrible source material that David Ayer clearly had to smash out in the shortest amount of time possible. And it's, it's the cast are as horribly incoherent and as unrelentingly disorganised as the entire production. Um, and Chris, I, I think you, you're absolutely right what you say there. And I just, you know, just circling back to something that I, I mentioned earlier, you know, and to, you know, to, to tell what you just said, the, the, this script, it, I find it quite insulting how it wants to go from cool and hip with, you know, the anti-heroes, and then it goes to something, you know, to get in serious between a relationship between the Joker and Harley Quinn, and then, you know, then it asks us to believe that these guys are all now really close and like a, a tight-knitted team, and and Deadshot won't kill people, and and they're all in it together. And I, wh where does that come from? It's like it just on a flip of a flip, flip of a switch. It's going between hating each other to liking each other to being a team to being back on their own, it, you know, to being in love. Like some of the characters are in love. It's it, nothing. None of this stuff comes from anywhere, right? It's just we need this to happen, so we're going to write it in. And the more that happens, the more. I, and I think you guys as well, come detached from the film. You're thinking, you know, you're not earning this. You're not earning the right to tell me that this character would do that or interact that way with that person or, or not kill that person now. Mm. It's, it's, it, it's just cheap. It's just cheap, cheap um, filmmaking. And it's strange. You talk about it being cheap. It's cost like $175 million. And... <laughs> It, it, it looks gross. Did you, did you guys think it looked just forget all the characters stuff? Just visually, it looked just like cheap and tacky, and and there's no interesting shots in the film at all. You know, it's no. about stuff being cinematic. You know, the, the way the camera moves, it's just the most basic um, crap. I don't know how you know how else to really explain it. I, I literally couldn't agree with you more. Um, this is as well as they say, obviously it's an incoherent story and everything visually, it's just abhorrent. There's no finesse yeah. to any shots. The way that it's edited is truly despicable. And the CGI in this movie, I mean, it looks, Man. you know, you speaking earlier about Will Smith and independence day, independence day looks so much better than this movie. And mm -hmm. when you get into the second and third act, which is just one scene is the yeah. lighting is hideous the the weird magical things that have weird blobby faces that they have absolutely no definition the scenes that kind of looked cool in the trailer like the bit with the weird Cara Delevingne's brother smashing through that subway train was horrible i, I mean yeah. 
you know, it's some of the tackiest CGI ever. It's like sci-fi movie channel stuff. And yeah. the the final act, which is basically just Ghostbusters, I mean, it's just things. It's just, it's just stuff floating in the air. It's a big flying donut or there's some white flashing lights. There's there's absolutely nothing. There's no scene in this movie, technically, that generally mm -hmm. made me go, wow. The only moment that I thought was pretty cool on a CGI visual level was when June Moore is in that boardroom and she calls on Enchantress and that weird hand slips under and turns over her hand. That was the yeah. only scene in a near two million dollar, a two hundred million dollar movie where I was like, ah, that was cool. Uh, it's, it's absolutely shambolic, you know, and as much as I know now that you really hate Batman vs Superman, I thought it was awful as well. At least that film actually has a little bit of visual weight. I know Zack Snyder just loves throwing stuff at the camera because that's what he does. Uh, and the whole big showdown scene with that, what's that fire breathing thing called even? I don't even know what it's called with one. <sighs> that doomsday, that, that, that thing. Um, I mean, that was horrible, but mm -hmm. the actual, the actual fight sequence between Batman and Superman, I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Like it actually looks like, ow, he's punching him. That looks quite painful, but nothing in this movie looks even remotely authentic. And the visual design, the direction, the art direction, the lighting in particular is just abhorrent. It, it, it really is. And, it, you know, and I, I love watching movies and thinking what an interesting shot choice, what an interesting lens choice. You know, you've gone from a wide to a close up to a super close up back to a, a, a you know, an extreme wide or some, whatever, you know, to 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 show the audience an emotional state. And mm. watching this, I was thinking everything just looks the same. Like I've only seen it once and I'll never watch it again. But just watching it, I think it, it just everything just looks the same. It's so clearly shot on a green screen. I know, yeah, you know, all blockbusters are these days, right? But if I go back to something like the BFG, which is a, a shitload of visuals in that, you still see Steven Spielberg's um, uh, choices. You know how he's moving the camera, how he's using special effects, how he's using props, and um, and all the rest of it. Um, and that is clearly, you know, that's his signature all over that film. Mm. And it's beautiful. Very, very expensive film. But it's lovely in the way that he, he uses his talent to show us this other world. And here it's the absolute and utter 180 degree opposite of, of, of how someone like Spielberg uses um, special effects. Here it is, it is simply, uh, we'll just put the, put the actors there. We'll do the same, pretty much the same medium shot all the way through, and there's no creativity. But it's okay because we're going to have loads of special effects all behind us. Trust me, guys, it's going to work out fine in post, and it doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. So sorry, sorry, um, Brian Scott. I was going to say you've literally knocked the nail on the head there. Like with something like the BFG, it's the story and the characters, and even in all of that CGI, you can still see the nuances of Mark Ryland's performances mm -hmm. and. The CGI is a tool to help tell the story. In Suicide Squad, the CGI tells the story for it. And, you know, with the, with the lazy writing, I mean, you've got moments where these characters come together and we should be getting to know them. And instead of getting to know them and learning about why they're there and what their play is in this, in this movie, you get a, an intrusive and obnoxious music number instead. You get, oh, it's Eminem's Without Me. And, oh, I know that because that's socially relevant. And it's exactly the same with the CGI. 
it never feels like a tool to actually help tell the story and to help build the scene. It feels like something that's constructed in order to progress the film entirely. And it's just, it's not acceptable. I think that's, at the end of the day, it's just not acceptable to tell stories in this way. Mm. Yes, <clears throat> you, are both, you are both correct on everything. <laughs> uh, one thing I was going to say before about, what was with Cara Delevingne's weird gyrating? What's all, what was all that nonsense? I, I mean... All that weird shit. And it was, definitely wasn't her voice either. I mean, Definitely it's kind of voice. partially, you know, kind of my dream well, and yes. also just <laughs> an absolute cardinal sin. I, I mean, as you said about Harley Quinn, Rowan, the, the characterization of this woman, this iconic DC character is the fact that she's got really nice hot pants and that you think she's attractive. And it's saying that Cara Delevingne, her superpower is she can thrust her vagina in your face. I, I don't I, I generally don't get like the only person with any power, as I said earlier, is Amanda Waller and when it gets to the, I'm not going to say, but when it gets to the end of the movie, you're just like, how? How is this character still a principal player in what's going on? Why am I still interested in Amanda Waller? I should be, yeah, squad, up squad, not being like, oh, cool, that's Amanda Waller. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, the the women in this movie are, are, are so disserviced by not only the screenplay, but by everything that consumes them as characters and the way that they're projected in this movie. It's just a total case of voyeurism again. Like the camera, the way it looks at Harley Quinn is just horrible. It it really is so leery and dirty. And, you know, you always feel as well that she is completely in command and overpowered by men. Like the scenes with her and the Joker, I, I think they actually come across as quite abusive. They're, they're not they're not like, oh, yay, they're the, the perfect odd couple. You're actually like, oh, this is a really poisonous, horrible relationship. Yeah, I think you're right. That's the strange thing, isn't it? There's 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 an intriguing story between those two to be told and now no one will want to see it because it's just been completely uh you know lost in this in this mess i think you know even going back to what you said about the trailers before whenever you see those little clips of the joker and then with harley quinn or dr quinzel when she was thing there's an interesting story there and it's all told in like 30 seconds of weird flashbacks with weird cuts and weird kind of just cgi stuff over the top of it it's like why don't you just tell me the story Maybe that's the interesting part of this movie. But no, it's just told in, you know, seconds. And we're supposed to just buy into it all. It's just, it, it, it's just this horrible, horrible mess of a, of, a, of a film that seems to be cut and pasted together to please the studio and please David Ayer as much as they can. Um, and just, just, just like, no, go with it. It's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll make our money back. Nobody will, nobody will really care. Critics will hate it, but we'll probably make our money back. And that's wrong. That's wrong. You know, if you look back at the note, I always, always mention it, Rowan. I always mention him, don't I? I always mention Mr. Nolan. But the reason the Batman movies were so successful was, yeah, visually they were great. They had some, you know, it had all the stuff you wanted in a blockbuster. But it was smart and it had a story and it had characters that you could lose yourself with for two and a half hours. And you cared about Bruce Wayne's story. You cared about Alfred. You cared about Commissioner Gordon. They all had their own stories and structure. Even the Joker, even Bane, you know. Whereas in this, and with Batman Superman, no one seems to give a shit about the characters. No one seems to give a shit. Um, apart from apart from Batman. Zack Snyder is just, a, you know, just absolutely loves Batman and treats Superman, re-watching it again recently, like shit. It's the yeah. shittiest Superman I've ever seen. <laughs> he sidecasts his own, his own movie base, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's a B player in yeah. his own film. Yeah. Um, even fucking Dean Cain in that terrible TV show was better than that. My God, Henry Cavill gets such a fucking horrible and cl- just all of the stuff with Superman is terrible. And it, it is spilled over into this film with 
you know, with Harley Quinn and Joker, okay, they're probably the most well-known, but even, you know, Deadshot, and you say Killer Croc, all these people that people actually, who like these comics and these characters, actually give a shit about and want to see them treated with the respect that they deserve. Hey, you know, with, you know, Brian Singer did it with X-Men, you know, that can work. You just got to have a vision and try and do it and tell a story even with X-Men. Similar to this, loads of characters. But if you give a filmmaker the time to develop, you know, there's nothing to say that we couldn't have had a similar movie like with Suicide Squad with the first X-Men and then allow him to make another one and, you know, develop and delve deeper into all these people. But they don't. They just want to make money. Simple, simple fact. The, the, you know? the thing is, though, the thing is, though, now, I mean, I, I, whilst I completely agree with you, um, I think you, you're looking with, not you, us, you're looking with at these things with this kind of rose-tinted glass. If you think about, you know, when Batman, when Batman Begins was made, what, 2005, the comic book, the comic book um, uh, cycle, it, it was nothing, right? It, he, he was allowed, he was allowed to reinvent Batman, go back to the beginning, because he could. And it was a it was a big hit. It wasn't, you know, like a, this behemoth that they've become now. It was just a it was a big hit from a director who was allowed to, to do what he wanted because he had, he had a fantastic track record with smaller films, uh, mm. working with really, really good actors. You know, um, and was allowed to make this movie. And I felt like what I think it was probably at the time for a fairly modest budget, big, but not you know, um, insane. He had, he had to work with what, you know, with. With, with money, he wasn't just, he wasn't just given free reign and an open checkbook. And then you think of how you know, Batman, the second one came out, then The Dark Knight came out, 2008, and that was obviously the same year as Iron Man, and Iron Man is the thing that kick-started what we're looking at now. But you, I can't imagine Christopher, someone like Christopher Nolan making um, his Batman movies now. He, I don't think he'd. I don't think he'd want to because obviously he'd want to have total creative control. And he's not having a student to tell him you need to have you need to put this character in that character and needs to be a flashback to this and all that sort of stuff because that's not how he he how he works, which is you know and good for him. So he was he came he came into it at the right time um, for him to to do what he can do. Um, and then on the following on from that, Scott also I think is quite is is so sad. I think that the quality of of his films, especially the first. I'm not a huge fan of Dark Knight Rises, but especially the first two. Um, where we've gone from from that as like the 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 template. That's that's a model, right, guys? Because they took so much money. It took so much money those those DC films, and they've gone from that to this and mm. and the Man of Steel and and the and the Batman vs Superman. It's I I don't understand, and I, I and also I don't really care because I'm not I don't really like comic book films anyway. You know, I make that clear all the time. I, I would like to like them, I, I, the good ones, in my opinion. I love them. I, I can rewatch them, um, and I I will rewatch them. You know, for many years to come. But things like this, there's just so little in it for me, um, because the filmmaking and the just the 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 whole attitude to the whole production makes me makes me sad uh and you and you know what there's definitely gonna be a sequel to this because you look at the box office already it's taken a crazy amount of money an insane amount of money there'll be another one you know they'll tie this in with all the other characters because apparently people don't learn they see the names of these characters they recognize oh well that must be good because it's got this person in it it's got that person in it it's got that person in it so i'm going to go and see it and all i want to see is someone who looks like the joke on screen and that's enough and i'm going to love it and i'm sorry but it as we've seen before it's just not good enough and until these films start you know making a you know 
not not becoming a flop but until they start seriously not taking the money they're projected to make we're going to see this over and over again it's just going to get worse because they're going to keep pump them out at a at a higher and higher rate you know you'll get suicide squad 2 in 2018 you'll get a spin-off with harley quinn in 2019 that sort of stuff because hey it's taking the money at the box office so why why wouldn't we um and it's it's incredibly incredibly sad it really really is uh, and I, you get these you, know, you get sorry because i want to you get these actors who apparently you know, they, they've got integrity and they're signing on to these six picture deals to the same shit over and over again Sorry, that to me, that's there's there's no integrity in that. There really isn't. No, I, I I totally agree with everything you've just said because the 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 thing that these movies are actually generating income means that it's not just people are willing to go and see them because they're you know the big blockbuster release of the week. It's the fact that they actually want to see them, and it's just how can you disservice your audience this much? Like, when will the point arrive when people are like, do you know what? I feel like I'm being mugged off now. I'm paying a lot of money to go to the cinema and this is what I'm returning with. This is the memory I leave with this poisonous stain on not only characters that some people really love, but you know, it's a, it's a two and a, like two hours, two and a half hours of trailers. A moment that's taken out of your life for this. It just doesn't, there's no sense of reward with a lot of these movies anymore. And to comment on Christopher Nolan, you're bang on. If you look at a, a couple of years ago with um, Ant-Man and Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright was attached to that movie and everyone was like, oh, this is going to be really interesting because you've got this, this director who's used to working with quite refined budgets and is used to working with a tight script and has creative control over that project. And then Marvel started to interfere and he was like, do you know what? I can't do this. I cannot make this film in the way that I want to tell it and hopefully the way that's going to resonate with the audience. So I'll let somebody else do it. And all these stuff's coming out now that David Ayer was so suffocated by Warners and he was under immense pressure with the screenplay and they were very intrusive with all the reshoots and stuff. If he had any sense of artistic integrity and he had any sight to actually care for his spectator, he should have been like, do you know what? I'm going to leave this. I'm going to let somebody else take over this. It's not like David Ayer isn't making movies. It isn't like he's a director who really needs a big break because whether you like or loathe his cinema, he still makes regular films almost annually. So it's not like from a a career standpoint, he needed Suicide Squad. This isn't going to elevate him to a new level of creativity. All this is going to do is going to be an absolute mark on his filmography now. People are going to be like, oh, he's that guy who made that film. And why would you want that? I, I, don't, I don't see... The, the only desire clearly has to be a paycheck because there can't be any love of making cinema. There, there can't be any passion of actually storytelling and having control over a project and seeing it from the developmental stages to the big screen, you know? You've got, you've got directors out there at the moment who are making their first, second, third movies, and they're still really attempting to establish themselves as an artist. And then you've got other directors who have just seemingly totally given up. And they're the ones who seem to make the most money. And that's just such a poisonous relationship and such a poisonous environment. I think for blockbuster cinema, you know, we're, we're trying to get people back into the cinema. We're trying to stop pirating it. Oh, 3D, IMAX, 4D, God knows what else, 70 millimeter, everything to try and get you into the cinema. And you're coming away with this? I, d- I, I just cannot, I, I cannot understand it and I don't want to understand it. <clears throat> yeah, and it's got to a point now, yep. isn't it, where, you know, a lot of people, for, for whatever, you know, their own opinions or whatever, that this summer has been a, a pretty poor summer. And is it going to get worse? Are we just going to keep getting these <laughs> terrible, terrible summer movies and 
you know, we all look forward to summer movies because they're great escapism. But when they're when they're told so badly, and when when you have films like this where it's clear that there's terrible interference with with a studio that just is just desperate to make sure it protects its investment, but also makes money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, it's no wonder that film people are going to see films like Dory and and the animated stuff, Zootropolis, and all that kind of stuff because you know that's that's you know maybe that's the only place some of the creative people can 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 do what they want to do i don't i don't know i don't know it's a long discussion to have uh but summer season is over now i think pretty much so let's 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 talk about you know well get ready for jack reacher too that's what we'll do rowan right <laughs> that's fucking a fuck yeah and mena and all those uh lovely lovely oscar films that will be coming out soon that hopefully will uh <laughs> make the end of the year quite good um <laughs> Please, please, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Uh, I tell you what, let's uh, let's wrap it up then because we could go on for for ages and ages. Uh, Chris Hayden, your final thoughts and your score on Suicide Squad. I mean, can I give it nothing? Want to? Want to? I'll I'll give it one just because you know that's the format. But this film is just horrible. I mean, I don't really have anything further to say about how atrocious this film is, but. Seriously, I, I just hate this movie with every fibre of my being. So that's my final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rowan, go on, sir. Um, yeah, pretty much the same as, uh, as Chris there. I mean, I give it one star. The only reason I don't give it the, uh, the half star is because um, I didn't hate it as much as Deadpool. And I have there's a special place in hell for films like <laughs> Deadpool. And this, and this isn't quite that because of the humour. Um, but yeah, it's... It's terrible, and you guys, I always do this. We always come to the, we always come to the wrapping up part, and I go on for another ten minutes. But you know, we talk about um, Fantastic Four and how bad that was. You know, at least I think Josh Trank had a vision for that film. It got clearly fucked with, but I think at least he had a vision. Whereas I look at this, and David Ayer, the man has got no vision. He's got nothing. I hate him, and I wish he would go away. Uh, <laughs> but still, he still hasn't made the worst film of the year for me. So it's a, it's a one shitty star it's one brown star is what it is <laughs> one brown star do they have those <laughs> if they do you went to a really weird school Baron. <laughs> uh yeah i'm with you one star um it is just an absolute mess and i really really didn't think this would be worse than batman superman uh and it is and it has probably the worst Joker I think I've ever seen in my entire life. And for that alone, and the fact that they've pretty much ruined Harley Quinn as well, when it was the first time we were going to see her on big screen and stuff. Again, not down to, completely down to Margot Robbie, you know, disserved with... Uh... Yeah, we were talking about, you know, the sexism and stuff. That whole bit where they're all getting changed and Deadshot's looking at his gun and Diablo's getting his baseball shirt on and it just pans up Harley Quinn like in the trailer, up her legs... She's in a bra, and everyone goes. She goes, "What?" It's like, well, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> David Ayer's a perv. <laughs> she got Michael Bay. And her shorts seem to get shorter the whole way through the film. There's that bit where she gets out of the lift, and I was like, "Is, is she wearing shorts now?" She was wearing. Sh- oh, okay, whatever, whatever. Um, and she has a phone from like 1981 or something that the Joker gives her. Terrible phone. Anyway, yes, one star. It is an absolute mess, and uh, just ridiculously disappointing and uh it's 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 irredeemable i think and uh you know we'll see what wonder woman has to uh has to offer i guess 
Uh, but fingers crossed that might be that might be different. Um, so there we go, Suicide Squad. What did you think? Let us know as ever on uh, on our SoundCloud, on iTunes, where you can follow the podcast, or on our Twitter feed at FlickMythPod. Send us your thoughts. Uh, although this is probably one of those times when we're probably going to get at a, at a barrage of hate from the online community. <laughs> but uh but who cares who cares uh chris hayden where can people follow you on twitter they can follow me at hayden's movies on twitter and on instagram excellent and uh give your youtube channel a plug chris go on why not oh what the midas touch the midas touch where you can can see uh chris's full rant (laughs) all by himself (laughs) suicide squad uh and many other good videos so check that out as well uh where can people find you on twitter um uh, at Rohan MM and at I Heart David Ayer. <laughs> is it I just, I just is created it, it? Is it I Heart the word, or is it I and then a little heart symbol, David Ayer? It's um, it's I um, the 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 symbol, the symbol, of the heart, the symbol. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. How many followers have you got on that account? Um, uh, just me and an, an official at David Ayer, just the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> so we need. So we need, uh, and you can find me at Scott Wright's film. Uh, and of course you can check out the podcast, uh, on, uh, on flickermyth.com and also as I say, through iTunes and SoundCloud, uh, we will be back next week. What's next week got in store, Rowan? What's next week in store? Can't be much worse. We've got the shallows. We've got nerve. We've got wiener dog. Yeah. Mike and Dave need wedding dates. <laughs> um, not for me. Ro- Rohan and Scott need not see that, I yeah. think is what it Pete's, should be called. Pete's Dragon as well. You can talk about Pete's Dragon. Oh, yeah, we'll see a bit of Pete's Dragon, yeah. No. Very good. Lots to look forward to on the old podcast. Uh, so, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. Chris, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. We will uh, hopefully have you back again very soon. Uh, Rowan, see you on the next one, for sure. To discuss uh, the aforementioned films. And uh, we'll see you all, our lovely listeners, on the next episode. Uh, Until then, take care and goodbye. (laughs) Great stuff, guys. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickering myth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth Movie Show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.